Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Father, you are good. Jesus, you died for us when we didn't deserve it. Lord, your word is true. Your spirit is here. You're good. You're good. And so we invite you to speak. We invite your word to be preached. Lord, I'm nothing. This is your word that we're talking about, so be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. My week was terrible. My week was terrible. My week was terrible. But that does not change the fact that God is good. Now, when I say week terrible, have you ever just had a week that's just long and boring? Anybody, somebody right there is honest. It was long and boring and work took forever and, you know, I work full time and they wouldn't let me out on time. I was staying late and working and then there was some stuff in the church that was going on and it was just tough. It was a tough week. But I am, um, God is good. And we're going to be talking about the gospel, which is my favorite thing to talk about. And um, so you may say, well, I already know the gospel. Well, just listen. Maybe you'll, you'll hear, hear something different. Maybe you'll hear it in a new way. Um, or maybe it'll help you if you want to share the gospel with someone. And then maybe you never even heard the gospel and you don't even know what that is. And I'm going to try to make it as plain and as simple as I can. And so we're going to go right into the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. And there's some words that um, are put in there. And that's on the second slide. So it's chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. And it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not ashamed. You're going to hear something today. Let me just preface this, that it's going to be some things that are really good and some things that might offend you, but I didn't make it up. This is not my story. I'm telling you the story of Christ and that which I believe, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not purposely going to offend people. Believe you me, if that was my goal, I could do that. Like, that's one thing that I'm really good at is being a jerk. Like, that's just my natural personality, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I'm just telling you how it is. And so I am not ashamed of the gospel. So you might hear something that is a little bit offensive, that is a little bit encouraging, that is a little bit refreshing. And if it is not all of that to you, then I don't know if you know the gospel. Because Paul would not say I'm not ashamed of it if there was not some pieces in there that when you hear, you're like, ugh, that's hard. That doesn't sit right. But it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What I love about that is that it's God's power. The gospel in itself has power. That's why you can write it on a track and someone can read it and God can do something in their life. That's why people that aren't even saved or aren't even living right can preach the gospel and it can change your life. And then you find out they got stuff messed up in their life. Because it's the gospel that has power, not me. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now that's important because everyone, I looked it up, it means everyone. And then he goes on to say Jew or Greek. So that means it's not like, it's not a racial thing. It's not a national thing. It's an everyone thing. So in heaven, whether you like it or not, there's going to be all kinds of colors in there. 
There's going to be all kinds of shades, all kinds of people that English is not their native language. Like, it's, that's pretty big. That's how it's going to happen. To the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So there's a few points, and you can fill them in if you want or just listen, but on the third slide it says, God's power and righteousness are revealed in the gospel to everyone who believes. Like, that's God's bar. I want you to think about that statement. Like, when God was, was saying and divide, deciding his plan, he decided it would go to everyone who believes. That's what he set it up as. That's a pretty low bar. That's a pretty, that's about the easiest thing you do. In fact, even a child could do that. Even somebody in a wheelchair could do that. Even somebody who is not the smartest mentally or even the most intelligent person could do that to everyone who believes. But his power and his righteousness are revealed. And so that's what we're going to look at today is how God's power and righteousness are revealed in the gospel. One thing I want you to go and know, and this is in on the fourth slide where it says in John chapter, I'm sorry, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, this is out of the book of Mark, and this is out of the beginning of Mark, because that's chapter 1, and Mark just jumps right into it. And he says, now after John was arrested, John was Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who baptized Jesus, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. So I want you to see the the next point on your paper is the gospel is at the core of Jesus' message. The gospel was the core of Jesus' message. So when Jesus came to speak, he started proclaiming a gospel. And you noticed, if you go back to that page, there was a few things that were connected with gospel. One is it says he started proclaiming the gospel, but then it talks about kingdom. So how does, what does the word gospel even mean? The word gospel means good news, but that's not all it means. So if you've thought that it just means good news, you're close, but there's a little bit more. It's not just good news, but it's a specific type of good news. It's the good news that your king has won a victory. It's a good news that your king did something you couldn't. And I want you to go back into a time when you might have a king. Your king was probably stronger than you, more well-armed than you, more capable than you. And he would go out and he would lead the armies and deliver a victory or deliver a a deliverance to you, to where the enemy had no authority in your land because the king won. And so Jesus immediately started sharing this gospel, and the two things that he said were repent. The word repent means turn around. Now you got to hear that. Some of y'all don't want to hear that. You jump right to believe. But there's a repent in there too. It's not just repent, but repent means turn around and believe. And so you ask yourself, it says, like, why does God care so much about belief? Have you ever wondered that? Do you ever ask questions when you read the Bible? 
I do because I'm pretty critical and I want to know, like, what, what is you meaning, God? And my thought is, my idea is, is when you look at how sin crept into the world, do you know how sin crept into the world? Go and read your Bible in the book of Genesis. It's in the beginning, the first couple of chapters. But you'll find that Eve, Adam's wife, most people have heard of Adam and Eve. Adam's wife was approached by the serpent. And the serpent's first words out of his mouth to her was, did God really say that? God had said, don't eat from this tree. And Eve's over here just, all right. And the serpent creeped in, and the very first words out of his mouth is, did God really say that? Getting her to begin to doubt in the reality of God's word. And I mean, that's a coincidence, that's an apple right there, but we'll just roll with it. So Eve went, and she's like, well, did God really say that? And she began to doubt in her mind, and before you know it, she's over there, and it wasn't an apple, it doesn't say apple, but we'll just use this. She took a bite. But it started with doubt. So if man's relationship with God was broken and the break started with doubt, the way God chose to restore that relationship was through faith. Just believe me. Do you realize that God of the universe, who holds all this together, who decided that all these molecules, although they're very similar, these molecules so similar to us are a chair, this is a tablecloth, and these are people. And he holds it all together that he decided the one thing that he wanted to look for was faith. The one thing that you would trust him. Like out of all the things to ask for, it was pretty simple. But it seems like it's very important that you would trust him. And so this gospel message, we're going to look at it and we're going to talk about it. But believe it or not, it's, it's what God wants you to believe. So in the book of 1 Corinthians, we'll turn over there, and it's in chapter 15, and it's on slide 6. It says, now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel. So Paul wants to remind the Corinthians, or this church in Corinth, of the gospel. He says, it's the gospel that I preach to you, which you received, and in which you stand and by which you are saved. So it's what Paul had already shared, but they needed a reminder. And he says that you are saved by it. And in verse 2, it says, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So this is the most important well, one of the most important things you can understand about God, not that we don't want to grow in the faith and not that we don't want to rightly divide the word of God, but this is where you start, and it's so simple. God made it as easy as he could. And in verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you what was first importance, which I also received, number one, that Christ died for our sins. That is a pretty awesome thing, that he died for us in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. He summarized the Gospel. That's it. That Christ died with for your sins, that he was buried, and then on the third day, he rose again. In fact, the only two things that God, that Christ asked us to do were communion, 
What was communion? You came over here and you picked up a cup and a tiny little cracker. Let's buy some big crackers, people, right? So you picked up a cup and a tiny little cracker and you put it in here. And what did that represent? It represented the body and the blood of Christ that was broken for you. He was broken so that you could be put back together. His lifeblood was poured out so that it could be poured into you. It was a price that was paid. The other thing that God asked us to do, I don't want to put this down. So I'm, gonna... I'm, not, I'm not trying to make a joke, I promise, but you don't want to mess around with stuff. Can we take something a little seriously? The other thing he gave us was this idea of baptism. Next week, we're going to be doing baptism. What is baptism? Baptism, you go under the water. That's why we do it by immersion. We're going to bring out a big old tub over here, and people are going to get wet. For a kid, that's fun. For an adult, not so much. Did you ever notice that, I don't know, you knew you were an adult when you went to the pool and you didn't want to jump in? All right, I knew I had grown up. When I was a kid, it didn't matter how cold it was, I was getting in the water. But when you're an adult, you're like, I don't think so. I'm good. You guys swim. I'm going to sit right here. Um, you guys have fun. Daddy, please. Daddy, please. Okay. Because we don't like it when we get older. But what does it symbolize? You go under the water. You are dead and buried with Christ, your old life. You are saying, I'm letting Christ's sacrifice pay for that. And when you come out of that water, you say, not only am I identifying with the death of Christ, but I am also identifying with the fact that he is alive and that he can live in me. And that because of that, I can repent. I can turn around and change my direction because the life that I live is now the life that he gives. next point I want to put on your paper or you can write down is the gospel speaks of mercy and grace for today. There is mercy and grace today. That's good. Mercy is what, like, you deserve something, you're not getting it. You deserve a paddling, you didn't get it. That's mercy. Grace is you're getting something you didn't deserve. There's a difference. It's one thing if you cut me off in traffic... And you deserve me to hit your bumper and spin you out into the thing. That, you deserve that. Mercy is me not doing that. Grace is me slowing down and letting you in so that you don't die. That's what you don't deserve. I'm giving that to you. That's how I relate it. Mercy and grace. Mercy something you don't deserve. Mercy, you're not getting what you do deserve. Grace, you're getting what you don't deserve. And I put a little acronym there. And this... I don't know if I stole this from somebody, so if I did steal this, I don't know. This was in my notes. I've had this in my notes for about six years. I may have made this up. I have no idea. It was just in notes I keep. I keep a note file. But God's only son, perfect, executed, and living. And I want you to think about this. God was without any children. His children had died. They had sinned in the garden. He had one left, his son. His one son, Adam, had run, and God gives his only son left, which I wouldn't, you know, I have five kids, and I'm not even giving you one of them, but for my only son to be gone, his only son, perfect, Christ lived a sin, sinless life, he was perfect, he was not like me, he was so much better, 
He was not like you. He was so much better. He was perfect. He didn't deserve it. And then he was executed. He was executed back at a time when executions were for real. It's not like, we're going to kill you, but we want to make sure it doesn't hurt. Let's make sure these chemicals don't cause you a lot of distress. And we can't use this chemical because it burns. Like, we are so good. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't value human life. But I'm saying that when Christ died, they weren't like, well, I hope this nail doesn't give you tetanus. They whooped him. And they beat him. And they didn't have an orange jumpsuit on that was nice and clean and and a last meal where he could order ice cream and and Wendy's and steak and lobster and all that. Do you ever read the last meal of what some criminals did? There was no last meal like that. The last meal he had was with his disciples when he said, guess what? I'm about to die and it's for you. So take this and you're going to remember because you're going to see it with your own eyes. And this is my blood. And later on that night and early into the morning, they saw his blood being shed as he was whipped. And like they punished you. This was no like you're getting on probation. Oh, I messed up. I got, I got a ticket. They punished you at a time he was executed. He was executed. He went to the lowest of the lowest places, died the most embarrassing death naked on a cross, hanging for everybody to see. Most people in here, you don't want to get naked right now. It's embarrassing. And he's up on the side of a hill, completely ashamed and embarrassed, though he was perfect, so that us who were not perfect could be elevated. And this is the thing. We died with him in baptism, but we're raised with him. So Christ died at the lowest point. He was naked, ashamed on a cross, And in Christ, the Bible talks about us sitting at the right hand of the Father, elevated to a place we don't deserve. He died a death he didn't deserve. We are elevated to a place we don't deserve and clothed in righteousness we don't deserve. It was a great exchange. We got the good end of the deal. But he is alive right now. Like right now, he is alive at the throne of God. And so there's some other parts to the gospel. You may have heard that before, but there are some other parts to the gospel. And I'm not trying to add anything, so check me. Do a Bible check. Go back and research this. But tell me if it's not true, because I'm trying to stay as clear as possible. The other part of the gospel is, although there's mercy and grace for today, and this is where it gets bad, the gospel speaks of judgment and vengeance for tomorrow. God is not a soft sissy. He might be merciful, and he might be good, but he is not soft. He's described as the rock. He's pretty strong. And there's coming a time, and this is where you could get offended. You're there, and I'm not purposely trying to offend you. But it is also good that God is bringing judgment. It is great that awesome that he shows mercy, but it's good that he's bringing judgment. Because there's some people that kind of need it. I'm not saying that that wasn't me. So let's just look and see if it's really part of the gospel, and then you tell me if I'm wrong. In Romans chapter 2 on slide 11, it says, On that day, and he's speaking about the end, on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges 
the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Do you know a lot of people keep a lot of secrets? A lot of people keep a lot of secrets. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you that's truth. And in fact, like one of my deals as, as, in a, as a building administrator, it's almost kind of cool because sometimes you got to do investigations and figure out what happened. I would usually get to the bottom of things. And they would say, well, how did you know he was lying? And I was like, they are all lying. Every kid in this school is lying. Now you say, that's not right. You can't say that. Oh, no, but it's true. It is one of, I was a teenager once. I lied a lot. You were teenagers once. Probably most of you lied a lot. And the rest of you wouldn't have even been in my office. So they'd come in and I'd be like, mm, that story doesn't check out. Do you know how many people are full of it in this world? How many people you can tell when somebody's talking a bunch of crap that doesn't make any sense and you just look at them and you're like, uh-huh? Oh, really? Say that again. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And they're spinning this story to cover their secret, and you just want to say, just tell the truth. Just be honest. Don't You don't have to be perfect, because I'm not perfect, but let's stop just making stuff up. Tell me you're broken. Tell me you're addicted to drugs. Tell me you've got an issue. There's no judgment in that. I've been in all of those places. But don't make stuff up. And let's go on, and let's just keep seeing. And so we're going to um, s- skip down to the next scripture, and it says, Since, indeed, indeed. This is out of the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 15, verse 15. I'm sorry, for chapter 1, verses 15 through 9. Since God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Some people deserve to be afflicted. Like, they deserve to be judged. I'm not saying it bad, but it's the truth. And that might hurt your feelings, but it doesn't matter. Your feelings are way less important than God's word. Not trying to offend you, but if you take God's word and all you want to take out of it is the parts that make you feel really good, then you might as well just not read it. Because there's a whole bunch of it that when you read it, it cuts. But cutting is good. Because if you got junk inside you that needs to come out, the only way to get it out might be to lance the wound and let it drain and get healed. So it says, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted. So when Christ comes back, listen to this, this is really rough. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God or obey the gospel of God. So the first thing I want to say is, slide 13, some of us deserve what's coming. And then I wanted to make it a little bit more real and say, no, all of us deserve what's coming. That's slide 14, all of us do. We all do. We all do. Because we've all hurt somebody. And here's the thing about the scripture. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone. But when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, we can debate all day long about what that means. But I've had it happen where somebody has hit me and I've not hit them back. I read that that way. If you hit me in my cheek, I will turn the other cheek. 
until I can find another way to do that. Like, I, I just can't get away from that being what it means. Now, I'm not saying that if you come into my family and you hit my child, I'm not turning the other cheek. I'm turning your cheeks, four of your cheeks, top and bottom, because I don't read it that way. You attack me, and as a man who is imperfect, I have to forgive you and say, I'm just as messed up as you. I've done way more stuff than probably most people in this room. I've been way lower. I've stolen. I've stolen things just to steal them. I didn't even need the money, and then I've stolen when I need the money. I've lied. I've told rumors back when I was younger. I've, I've, I've done everything that you could possibly do, like all of the commandments, broken. I deserve what's coming. I'm not getting what I deserve, though. Christ didn't get what he deserved when he died naked. And I'm not getting what I deserve because I believe in that. And he's taken my place. So even though we all deserve it, you don't have to get it. And that's, we know why we deserve it is because when you sin and you hurt God's children, it kind of ticks them off. Who did he talk about? Those who you were afflicting. When you hurt God's people, he comes back. And look at verse 9. It says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. I'm not trying to scare you. But if we don't believe it, this is on um, slide number eight, uh, sorry, 15. It's, verse 9 says, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of the Lord. Makes sense. We deserve it. Who do we think we are? We give a two-year-old more right to say what happens with his Legos than we do to God about us. It's fine for a two-year-old to do whatever he wants with his Legos, but somehow we think we can sit and talk back to God. Well, God, you can't do that. That's not fair. doesn't matter what we think. He's like way higher. Most of us, we call down the ant apocalypse every spring. In my house, it's an apocalypse time. If they're outside of my house, they may live. They come into my house, sometimes a whole counterful ant. And I don't think twice. Now, you might be a better person than me and like, oh, the ants, let's save them. And I'm happy about that. I'm not there yet. You may gather them all up into a little cage and walk them outside gently. But in my house, it's like, <laughs> any chemical I can pour on them that probably won't kill me, I'm pouring it. Or just smile. And I don't even think twice. I don't, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad. And me and an ant have a lot more in common than me and God. Because me and an ant breathe the same air, live in the same place, and eat the same food because that's why they're in my house. But me and God are way different. So God could do what he chooses. So if God chooses that, those that do not believe that, he's like, that's what he chooses. I'm not trying to be upset or anything, but that is what it is. So, but let's go because that's the middle. But if you don't understand like the middle of the message, the end, and I'm going to close up very soon, the end of the message isn't as good. Because if you don't understand that you really do deserve judgment, because when you hurt somebody else and you lied to somebody else or you stole from somebody else or you broke somebody else's heart or you did that to your children, when you did what you did, that that hurt somebody that God loves and that ticks God off, then you don't understand why the gospel is so great. Because he said, if you just believe, 
He said, although you deserve all this stuff, salvation and life, uh, verse 17, salvation and life are free to everyone in Jesus. And that takes us to page four. Salvation and life. And let's look at um, the scripture here in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It's God who saved us. And this is slide 18, and we're going to be moving through. So verse 9, and we're on the back of the paper. It says, who saved us? Well, who saved us? It was God. You can go read verse 8. And he called us with a holy calling, not because of our works. This is crazy. It doesn't make sense. But this is what the scripture says, that it's not because of our works, that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, that we all have sinned. You can make any kind of example you want. If I told you that all of those chicken wings over there that we are going to serve are catered and they come and they're fresh and they're clean and you can have anyone you want, but one of those chicken wings I took to the bathroom and did something weird with it. You're not eating any of them. Guarantee it. They, no, I'm good, Chris. I don't know what you did something weird in the bathroom means, but I am passing on every chicken wing on that table. So it doesn't matter what you did. What you did is probably not as bad as what I've done. But even if just one of the chicken wings isn't right, you're passing. It's not because of our works, but because of his own purpose. It's what God decided to do, not us. Sorry, it's not you. You're not in control. God is. And you might as well accept that now, because if you accept that God is in control now, and he's asking you to believe, it works out pretty good. His own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Next slide. And which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, when he returns, not only does he judge people that needed to be judged, but he, re he rewards some, but he renews everything. Now think about this world and just in an objective sense. You walk outside and you know there's something in your heart that sees some of the beauty that's out there because there's beauty out there. You look at a sunset, you see an amazing sight, you sit there with your child. There's some moments that are beautiful. And then equally, there are some moments that are really broken. You can be in a beautiful place with the people you love and you can be arguing and you can be fighting and you don't even know why. You could be on a vacation or on a getaway on a weekend that you planned, and everything is good. You have nothing to fight about, and you're just mad and angry, and people in your household are fighting, and you're like, what is the matter? Or is that just me? It is beautiful, and it is broken. When Christ comes back, and he takes vengeance on all that that is broken, and all those who are breaking things, it will only be beautiful. That's our hope. A new heavens and a new earth. It starts in here. But when he returns, it's not just like he's coming to put the smack down for no reason. But he's like, let's clean this place up. Don't you want this place cleaned up? Do you, I mean, do you not see what I see and hear what I hear? That's my hope. That's the beauty of the whole gospel. He died, he's alive, and he's coming back. And in verse 10 says, which is, he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We can have life in him. It can be good in him. 
And the cool thing is, is that he can start that transformation process in us. That which he wants to do with the whole world, he can start right now in our hearts. All the broken and dead places, he can heal. He can make you changed. He can make you feel better. He can make you nicer. And let's just go Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. And verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, For it is with the heart one believes and is justified, and it is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. For everyone who says whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all. There was a lot of drama back then between Jews or Greeks. We don't hear a lot of Jew-Greek issues nowadays, as far as I know. But he was saying, don't let any drama come in to separate any person from any other person. For the same Lord is the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a day of mercy. Tomorrow, and that's a figure of tomorrow. Don't go thinking, Chris said tomorrow, like Monday, Jesus is coming back. He might. I don't know when. He didn't tell me that part. But tomorrow, he's coming back. And he's putting things right. So you can either start today by admitting that you need to be put right. That you have sinned. Like, God, put me right. Have mercy. I believe in you. Put me right. Start here. And you believe in your heart. And you confess with your mouth. And you'll be saved. And what does that look like? It looks like him transforming you. And helping you be different. And helping you... You like that picture, Jonathan? Left. With your mouth and your heart will equal salvation. That's what it says. That's what it says. Now, I think, I think we can talk more about that, and there's more to say, but for today, we're done. And so I want you just to reflect for a second. Just close your eyes for a second, just so you can reflect on yourself. I don't know everyone in here, and I do not think that anything you've done or anything you are is worse than anything I am. Like, I am the last person that deserves to be standing up here. But I'm standing up here because I've had mercy. What I deserved, God has not given me. And there's grace, because what I did not deserve, God gave me. So I don't know where you're at, and I don't know if, if you're walking close with the Lord, or maybe you've never known Him, I don't know. I don't know if you're part of the problem in this world or maybe you realize you've got some problems and you need God's help with them. I don't know where you are. But reflect and ask yourself, do you need to get right? In about three minutes, we're going to go and we're going to eat some food and have some fun and I want everyone to stay and everyone just to hang out and have some fun. But right now, where are you? Where are you? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if, if you're far from God 
Or maybe you realize you need to confess him. You haven't confessed him recently or ever. Would you put your hand up wherever we're at? Amen. Amen. The word says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Confess just means say the same thing. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. So as the music plays, um, we're going to give an opportunity for anybody that would need prayer to come up and and get prayer. Um, If that's you, if you're the one that raised your hand or one of the ones that raised your hand, just talk to the Lord quietly while the music plays. Let the words come out of your mouth, even if nobody at your table hears. Tell them you're sorry. Tell them you believe in him. In fact, I'd encourage everybody in here to pray, to confess him, to ask for help in the weak areas of your life, to ask him to put you right, to help you. Because that's how I live every day. With that same type of prayer. Hey guys, I'm Bob.